Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I am Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. Super excited to talk to you guys today. We have an industry icon in the house. That's right. Uh, This man has been speaking for Perform Better for over 10 years. More importantly, He's just been really changing the game. He's a world-renowned physical therapist. Uh, He's been a PT and fitness trainer to many celebrities. He's been involved with just about every form of professional sports, maybe not hockey, but uh, uh, strength and conditioning coach to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, You know, he's just been doing so many great things in our industry, and he's going to be speaking at Perform Better. He is speaking at all three of them. Uh, They recently had one in Orlando. I'm honored that I get to be one of the presenters in August at the same perform better that this industry legend is speaking at. And uh, and uh, what he's going to be speaking about is lateralization and regression, a system of how trainers and coaches and therapists work together, which is just so important. And we're going to talk a little bit about that on today's show, because maybe you're somebody that wants to be involved in a fitness program, but maybe you have certain limitations that tell you that you can't do those exercises. And we're going to talk about how you might handle that. So uh, before I go any further, because I could talk forever about Charlie Weingroff, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you guys? That's, that's a whole lot. That's a whole, that's a whole lot of chatter. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have yet to uh, call myself an icon or a legend. So uh, you guys, if, if, if that's what you want to call me, that, that's fine. <laughs> well, you've been earning it. And uh, in many people's eyes, that's exactly how they describe you. And, uh, you know, when it comes to young and up and coming coaches or fitness professionals, I think that they should make your sessions mandatory because you have a lot of knowledge that you've accumulated over the years through a lot of hard work and experience and, uh, and you share it very well. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to just kind of start off with just a couple of little uh, little questions that uh, uh, help introduce you to the audience on maybe a more personal level. There's a story about you almost becoming a professional wrestler. Uh, <laughs> how does that work? How, how did that happen? Uh, so um, I, I don't remember what year uh, I, this happened, but in, in physical therapy school, so it must have been my first or second year because um, a, a buddy of mine now um, looked very, very familiar. He was a year ahead of me in PT school. And uh, there wasn't a lot of crossover in classes because the year ahead was a, a bachelor's degree. It was one of the last bachelor's degree you could get in physical therapy. And this is in the late nineties where it hadn't transitioned to a doctorate yet. Uh, where now pretty much every program is a DPT but they were transferring away from uh, bachelor's into master's of physical therapy, uh, which is a very clinical degree. Uh, I don't think they lasted very long or master's of science, you know, which is what, what I have. So my point is, is that we didn't really overlap because there were some classes that you would overlap with the year ahead. And uh, he, uh, his, his name was Chris Ford, uh, not to be confused with one of my coaches with the Sixers uh, back in uh, 2003. 
Um, and, and at the time, uh, he was in uh, ECW, which was a, a major you know, wrestling uh, federation. At that time, in the late 90s, it wasn't only WWE. Uh, and he performed as, as Devin Storm. Um, and it was, yeah, it, it would be considered like minor league, I guess. I would never say that in front of him. Uh, but, you know, these guys are, yeah, and he wound up making it. Many people would probably know him more as Crowbar, um, where he was making like, you know, he was on Monday nights and he was a real wrestler. And we just, you know, we just, we just started talking and became uh, pretty good friends. So um, uh, he, he lived in the general area where I went to physical therapy school in North Jersey. And uh, I would go with him to where he would practice. And um, whether, whether he got a commission out of it, I don't know. Um, but uh, I, when I was in my third year of physical therapy school, he was one year out. And you know, I, I, the, the, whoever owned the school had the paperwork in front of me. It was $5,000. And um, at that time, I'm like, yeah, are people my height? Um, you know, they do it. And at that time, there was a lot of really short dudes, like, and I'm even shorter than me. Um, you know, I'm only five foot four and a half. Um, and uh, now like they're, 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 they're breaking in and like, you know, so he was trying to work me over the, the owner of the, of the wrestling school. So, um, yeah, I never really had the balls to, to do it. And, uh, uh, and then very quickly upon graduating, um, I moved into professional sports, which, uh, you know, limited, um, functionally limited, uh, how I viewed other opportunities, but yeah, I was, I was pretty close. And that's, um, looking back, um, it's, it's a significant regret, you know, but if you take a left turn, you probably don't ever deal with what you get on the right. So I don't know if it was a bad decision, but I do regret it because, uh, I've now have, you know, several, uh, friends and colleagues that, um, that are, you know, major, WWE or, or high level professional wrestling performers. And they would say from a verbal standpoint, I can, I could probably do very well today, but I probably would not have learned and cultivated and practiced those speaking skills. Had I taken the left turn uh, back in 1999 um, and not had all these opportunities to, to speak in front of the crowd um, uh, as, as whatever it is that I am, you guys say an icon. I, I, I certainly don't, don't think that, but, uh, so yeah, I, I almost, uh, yeah, I, I almost did it and I can still do a couple things. Not let every year that goes by it's less and less, but, uh, um, I still have some cool videos of, of stuff that I've, that I can, uh, that I've done that like, Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> So. Yeah, rumor has it that you might come out for one of your presentations someday with uh, some sort of wrestling theme. No, <laughs> uh, it's not gonna happen. Not a, no, that's uh, <laughs> we we save that for like when uh, we do the 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 promos for the digital products and things like that. But uh, no, I don't think no. the, that 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 stuff wouldn't go over because you know a lot of times those things go over because the crowd expects it. So if yeah. you do something that the crowd completely doesn't expect, it doesn't go over. No one thinks it's cool because they're like, why are they doing that? Even though it's totally awesome and totally cool. <laughs> um, I've done, I've done. Um, so when, when, uh, whenever, whenever the next digital product would come out, um, I got, we got one last thing and it'd be like a teaser promo. And usually it would be two years because it would have been filmed the year before. So the summer you do a real short one, 
And then the following year, that's when it would probably be available for people to buy. So you usually get two. They would be very professional wrestling-ish because um, for two and three of T equals R, T equals R2 and T equals R3, I actually had a WWE film crew uh, film it and edit it. It was like, that's, they're kind of like independent. And uh, so that, that makes a little bit more sense, but uh, not, not a full blown. Because you know what, believe it or not, Travis, People have tried it and it's so corny. It's so stupid. It's so dumb when they do yeah. it. Like they, somebody, it doesn't matter who, they run in through the middle and they're throwing shit. It's stupid. It's very dumb. Yeah, it doesn't work. Huh? Yeah. That, that, that was an interesting presenter tip. That it was actually better to kind of go along with what people are expecting than to totally catch them off guard for the best uh, reception type of thing. You know, that, that yeah. and even and even even at, at something like perform better. And there's a number of reasons for why this is. But. Uh, it's kind of hard to be funny too, because like you go to see a comedian, you know, you're going to see somebody who's going to try to make you laugh. So you're not guarded to laugh, but when you're in a perform better, where now your, your primary focus is not there to laugh. You're there supposedly to learn. Uh, I'm not sure that's always the case with everybody, but more, <laughs> more importantly, you have uh, probably a group of people that are highly not confident. So now you're hilarious and they're not laughing. <laughs> so that is, so is, is um, you know, there's a lot more to public speaking than just uh, having a big booming, booming voice. So when you can make people laugh is, uh, is, is you're getting through a very thick uh, crowd usually uh, at these types of conferences. You know, I've always said, and this is with all respect uh, due, you know, I have a great appreciation for Tom, but I've always told people that going to see Tom Plummer is a bit like going to see Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> So he, and, he and, and don't 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 think uh, don't think for one second that 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 his act is is well received by everybody all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah. So. You know, I, I have a question. You know, uh, for somebody to get to where you're at, um, it's a bit like uh, putting in those ten thousand hours. You know, uh, you you've you've earned yourself this expertise, and you know you've opened up your mind to just all sorts of different realms of thinking that only come from a lot of it, education and experience. Um, there had to be a passion born in you. I, you know, the book by Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily cover the fact that for somebody to get there, not only did they have to maybe be born and get in at a certain time in order to evolve to this expertise, but they had to have that passion. What was it that first inspired you to do what you do today? Or, or where, did that, where did that passion first begin? You know, I'd be lying, Travis, if, if that was, this is the first time that someone has had a question or a, or a dialogue of that type of uh, incarnation. But um, cause, because ultimately, I, I don't, there is no identifiable defining, you know, thing that happened. Um, it's easy to cop out to be like, well, that's just how I was brought up. You know, like this is, um, I think, I do think there's something to, when you grow up in the Northeast, um, you, you're usually one degree away from someone uh, who, who lost everything. Um, because when you grow up in the Northeast, you're usually from some, some degree of ethnic family, you know, some type of European nationality where somebody either lived through the war uh, or, or the depression, uh, just based on my age. So there's a, there's a way of thinking of like, if, if you know you have or the potential to, to, to lose everything, um, you know, in those two unique situations, um, you, 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 it crafts a mindset. Uh, but I don't know, you know, what it is um, that makes me think the way I think. 
but I, I don't think there's I, I'm tied for the the first in the world. I'm, I'm tied for the most in the world of not wanting to lose. I'm sure there's other people. Uh, I just don't. It, it's now maybe uh, when it came to sport, I, I didn't suck, but I wasn't always the best. And in order to bridge that gap, I just had to try harder. Uh, and the ways that I was able to try harder, which is very, very physical and just to be very, very intense. Uh, and I'm sure that translates uh, to, to a lot of the things that I do. But I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Um, um, in terms of like an event, you know, when you and when you bring up outliers, I don't love bringing it up because I don't like comparing myself to some of these, uh, if not the greatest humans, some of these most majestic stories of, of the people that Gladwell writes about in that book. But I have a total outlier story where you can't, no, no one can reproduce it. And I didn't try to do it. It just happened just like the way some of those people, um, like what is it, if, if, if Bill Gates was picked up on time at, at 4.30 p.m., he never would have been Bill Gates. He, he, something would have happened where he would not have become uh, who he did. So, um, you know, I have a, 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 a cascade of comedies that lead me to, you know, having whatever opportunity, which then turned into an explosion, uh, very similar to how a lot of the, the people in Outliers were written, but I don't like being compared to them because I don't think what I do is all that important compared to somebody like Bill Gates. But um, the, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it is, it is real. Like I, I, have, I do not, I do not ever, ever want to lose. Uh, I don't, I want to be able to provide for anyone around me. And uh, if I don't, then I get very upset. So um, that's, uh, I don't know what, that, that, I don't know. I, I can't say that I even tried for this to, to, to cultivate that type of uh, value or that type of behavior. Well, maybe perhaps uh, the champion inside you that has that competitive spirit and the athlete inside you, you know, led you to uh, really, I mean, what you do from uh, the education you provide and the, the life that you live and the career is that you, you help to other people to, you know, really become who you are, right. You know, an overcomer, uh, you know, somebody that, uh, can compete in the things that they want to compete in, you know? So uh, that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Let me ask you, you mentioned the adversity of the Northeast, uh, which, you know, here we are in the Pennsylvania, New York border today. Uh, but, um, uh, the adversities, uh, how has adversity shaped your life? Has there been like any set way that, uh, you know, you've had to overcome something that has, you know, helped to shape your yeah. life? The, uh, well, first off, Pennsylvania, New York is, is not the Northeast. That's the Midwest. So it's the ah. <laughs> <laughs> tri-state area. What? <laughs> Unless, uh, even, even, even if you're, uh, even if you're in the Poconos, that, that, that's not Northeast anymore. So it's, uh, we gotta go um, where Cindy's from. Cindy's from New Hampshire. We gotta go there. Yeah. No, that's New England. <laughs> ah. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. you know, I, I would probably say there's been, um, five or six like life life changing events, and that may sound uh, dramatic or hyperbole for someone my age, but um, I did have a silver spoon in my mouth when it came to the progressions through uh, my working career. I started, you know, at a, I got some pretty cool jobs at a young age. So when you lose a cool job, it's a pretty much a life changing thing because when you're 22, uh, you, you you don't realize that there's this whole rest of your life, but. Um, I would say there's been multiple things that, that have happened, um, not only job related. Um, my, my divorce uh, a couple of years ago was 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 uh, falling to the category of, of horrible. 
Um, but um, the thing is, is every every time you know when people will say uh, that everything happens for a reason or what other cliches like don't worry you'll be better off in the end or they there's a, there's like a half a dozen cliches that people say you know when when something really rough happens and what i have found is because there's been multiple i know why they say it uh because they're right uh now that doesn't mean it doesn't suck while it's happening but when it happens when it's just science when when something happens under similar conditions multiple times you should have a more staunch belief that it'll happen again that way. And that's where I'm at. So um, when, when these, you know, rough, ranging from rough to terrible things happen, it, it, for me, it's, uh, it, it has been easier to get through, not, not it does, it's still terrible and, and, and challenging while it happens, um, but you start to believe because it's happened multiple times. And, you know, you, you, you're not gonna just live in a cave. So I go about what I'm doing and all of a sudden, the next thing that happens, like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, and, and um, so that's, that's, um, you know, it's easy for one person to say, and probably the reason some, they, whatever, whatever amount of opportunities they've had to have a life-changing event um, for only, and only they can categorize that. I, I'm not going to say what they are, because I don't care to have somebody judge um, what I think should or shouldn't be a, a life-changing event. That being said, um, if you haven't had enough of them and then kind of went like this, you know, and, and then always, you know, how, uh, how you judge your life. Because if, you if you don't have a report card for your own life, well, then you have no idea of saying that you're in a better place. So um, that's another thing that I don't think adversity has led me to do that, but it makes uh, understanding and respecting adversity better because you do have, a report card uh, on how, like for me, I know how to judge that if I'm in a good place or a better place than I was before. So um, I, I would just say most people probably have good for them that, that they haven't had uh, those types of you know, uh, events. But at the same time, if one does happen, you're, <laughs> the first one's going to be a big punch in the face because you really have no idea of, of what is um, the significant you know, when I say life-changing event, it's like, okay, like something, you know, something very, very different is going to happen, you know, within seven, 14, 21 days, like it's, it's something very, your life is very, very different. So um, yeah, but, but I, it's, those cliches are, they're right. It just yeah. still, still sucks when it happens, but when you believe, then you're, you're, you know, you'll wind up in a better place. Were you going to say something? No, I was um, just going to agree. Oh, yeah. disagree, yeah. Yeah, it's um, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it sounds like whether it be the cascade of comedies that you mentioned earlier, they're just, yeah. you know, uh, were so unique in, in order to get you where you're at or the adversity. Those were all positive. Those were all right. good, though. They, 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 yeah, they, but they were working together, them. right? Like they had to, like you have the cascade of comedies, but then you have every adversity that you had to overcome is also a part of who you are, right? Yeah. And it gives you those perspectives. Yeah, yeah I, I do think now, though, um, and look, I'm, I'm sure there's a cost to this, um, but I do feel a little bit more armored, um, meaning something that would have happened to me 10 years ago um, may not bother me as much now uh, because I, 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 uh, you become a little desensitized to what, you know, what would have been life changing is no longer life changing because of other things you've accumulated 
but also like, ah, it's not gonna be that bad because every time something bad happens, something better happens next. So um, that's a, um, yeah. And I would say, let's say one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. At least five, at least five Um, where, where um, obviously it's not that I'm embarrassed to talk about it. I don't think it's a part of the scope of what we're here to do. Um, but life became very, very different in 7, 14, 21, or 28 days. That, that's the category that, uh, that I would judge of a life-changing event. Yeah. You know, I heard something that just came to me when you were talking about being more armored than you would have been 10 years ago. I heard a quote not long ago, and it stuck with me, that there's strength in the struggle. Like we go through these struggles and we develop a strength and that, that strength prepares us to just be stronger for future situations, you know, right. And it's uh, there's strength in the struggle. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. So let me, uh, let me uh, dig into what you're going to be talking about at, uh, or what you've already talked about and what you'll talk about in Providence and uh, what you'll talk about in Chicago uh, at the perform better. Uh, can yeah. uh, you share a little uh, overall view? Well, of that? I would say, Somewhere between 2012 and 2013, um, this idea of lateralizations and regressions was was born, um, and it was really just putting words to to something. The word you can use whatever words make sense. If mine don't make sense, uh, it's not important that you buy my nomenclature. But um, um, what what we what we would find is there's um, there's certain things that people just can't do. Now there's a lot of reasons why they can't do them. Um, but um, you know, it, would, it would start, one, one of the things that people would do is they would run some type of movement uh, appraisal or movement evaluation, and then base their program off of this information, which I think is a terrible, terrible mistake because most people are going to have limitations, most of which are, uh, some of which at least are meaningful. So you start at this point that's like right here so that everything is, is like this. Whereas I'm suggesting that you should, you should already know what your program should be if the person was perfect. Um, so like, like, well, how do, I, how do I know that? Well, because you're a coach. Like, like if somebody describes to you how many days a week they want to train and what their goals are, and then, and then knowing what equipment is available, which you probably know because they're coming to you for your expertise, that's all you need. And then from there, you literally put it on paper uh, and then do your evaluations. So lateralizations and regressions was really um, this concept that was tied to start at the finish. So like, what do you want this thing to look like when everything is perfect? Because if you, if you do your evaluation first and then you, you get this very, very, uh, remedial program because you're focusing on this valuable information. Whereas if you started with the perfect program and then evaluated after that, you would get like way closer to your, to your ideal. This is what, you know, it's like, man, yeah, I probably would have done that that way. Instead, I just focused on these things because that's what the evaluation was telling us. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's wrong. That's a mistake. Um, you're missing significant opportunities to challenge the person and help them meet their goals. So for instance, there might, you know, you, you wouldn't even think of doing something with somebody because you were focused on their painful knee or their you know, stiff ankle. So now if you write down everything that you wanna do in your program, when would a painful knee or a stiff ankle matter? 
well, would it matter for doing a pull-up? Probably not. I mean, if their knee is raging and they can't even hold on to the bar, it's one thing. Um, but that's not that that person typically isn't engaging in commercial commercial fitness. Um, but you know, if, if somebody has shoulder pain when they lift their arm overhead, well, what do, do they also have pain when they bench press? Sometimes the answer is no. So uh, the the task of of starting to um, create meaning to the movement evaluation is why wh why are you doing all of these different exercises from a physiological standpoint? So I've mentioned a couple of things. Um, I mentioned the pull up. So I'm working on like every word, every series of words you could possibly come up with. Uh, upper body uh, vertical pull, uh, upper body strength, um, lats. Um, you know, hanging grip, you, know, you, you can be as, as like however your mind works. Cause when you look at a pull-up, you should be able to say, oh, that person's trying to achieve this. And then when you look at all those words, you have to suggest that that may not be the only exercise on earth that can do those things. So for instance, um, we could argue on, on the value of a pull-up versus a lat pull-down. But by definition, they are both vertical pulling exercises. They are both um, now. Now, what if you don't have one? Or, or but, but that's not you know the, the whole idea is to then start to appreciate. Do did your movement evaluation tell you that that the, that individual have uh, has the joints that can get into the right positions to absorb adaptive stress? for that exercise, for that exercise, for that one, for the, no, they don't have that one because our evaluation told us painful knee and stiff ankle. Well, what am I going to do instead of squat? Why are you squatting? Lower body strength, uh, knee dominant strength, quad strength, tendon stiffness, um, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Well, what other exercises? Well, you may not be able to check every box like we did with the lat pull down and the pull up, but Sometimes when you keep a vertical tibia, when you do an RDL, you're still working on lower body strength, but mm -hmm. your knee doesn't hurt anymore. Good news. You also keep a vertical tibia. You don't need uh, any ankle dorsiflexion you know, to, to do that. So you would, in those cases, you would lateralize. And I use the word lateralize because it's equal. Like you're just moving lateral because mm -hmm. when you there, you, there, there should now be a, it, it would actually be an argument. Um, where there is no winner, a debate, there's a winner and a loser, an argument, there's not, which is better for strength for general population, an RDL or a goblet squat? Like, there, I, don't, I don't know that there's any answer. Well, what about like people going to start to put conditions to the, no, there's no conditions. Which one's better? There is no answer to that. They're the same, especially in general population. Now, if you're an athlete, that's a different story. Um, very few people that, you know, especially in the perform better audience, you deal with athletes like you, you might think you do, but you don't like an athlete is somebody that their life or their finances depends on their physical activity. That's not what people are doing. Um, you can train athletically. You can train like an athlete. But at the end of the day, the exercises don't matter. They're just individual vehicles to achieve something that happens inside your body. Um, now, uh, so now you're going to somebody that has a painful ankle. Uh, I'm sorry, a painful knee and a stiff ankle. For there, when, whenever it says squat in the program, they lateralize to the RDL. And there's a dozens and dozens of other options. Mm -hmm. The regression 
is whatever the therapist might do for the knee uh, or the ankle. So now you have people working together because, well, what difference does it make if nothing matters? Well, I don't know. Why did you pick the squat in the first place? You're allowed to choose. Like you're allowed to be unique or special, or you might have a very strong opinion that doing a goblet squat is better than RDL. I don't care. Like I'm trying to help you do what you want to do. So when you write up your program, it has to be what you believe. And that was another concept to try to get people to uh, get co coaches, therapists to appreciate. Like, what do you believe in? Because you, because I, I found myself saying like, you don't believe in anything. You're just repeating what somebody else said. I don't care if you, like, you don't believe what I believe. You're just doing what I said. That's not, that's not what this is. So like, believe, believe in something. Um, and uh, if you believe that the squat is the best thing, you should believe that in a few weeks of competent therapy uh, or maybe surgery, who knows, of, of, of uh, uh, trying to correct the knee pain or doing ever to modulate the knee pain and then do something at the ankle. And to think that a trainer is always going to be the best option to mobilize a stiff ankle is ludicrous. Um, therapists that can get their hands on it and put needles in calves and mobilize uh, segments, that it happens faster. So if you put this quality uh, regression you know, for the knee and the ankle, and you put that together with the lateralization of the RDL, they get married and have a baby and you have your squat, uh, which is what you wanted in the first place. So it's really a number of different concepts, but the whole idea of how to have therapists, coaches, and trainers work together is that you have to do this really keen movement evaluation, but we have to know and respect that the exercises that you choose for your plan A may not always be the exercises that they're going to do. So how close can you get mm -hmm. to what you believe in? And then if you're keen in identifying why they can't do it, then you do these other things that typically don't achieve a fitness goal. They get you closer to the vehicle that gets you the fitness goal, but you do these other things that might feel a little bit more rehab, um, more mobility or motor skill. But you'll, you, you cannot achieve, you know, cardiovascular health from doing mobility drills. That's not why God invented mobility drills. They're very, very important, but there are certain things that they cannot do. Um, now, if you have elite mobility, probably the best way or one of the best ways to keep it is to do strength and fitness work using all of the mobility. So you don't have to do individual mobility drills. Or if you want to do them, you can get even better. So that's the gist of the of the talk that we'll do in Chicago uh, in July and in Providence in August of understanding lateralizations and the different examples of what they are uh, and regressions, um, which may you may just toss that off to a therapist, which is probably a very good business strategy for a lot of gyms, because if you find a therapist that believes what you believe, you rent them some space. Um, so now they're going to do the things that they're good at. And it was also back then uh, coming off of some of the things that I thought I made a mistake uh, or was not accurate in, in what I was portraying um, from the first digital product. Uh, we found that a lot of, you know, train I, I gave trainers permission to be bad physical therapists. And that wasn't what we were trying to, to, to do in any way. So let's be better. So now we're going to put more of a, uh, of, a, of a systematic approach to this because, you know, somebody who's really, really good at coaching and programming for strength and power and fitness might not always be the same best person to improve ankle dorsiflexion 
um, or change knee pain. Now they might be, they might be the same person. I'm not saying they can't, but they're still going to use the same system, but usually they're not the same. And, and the person that's really, really good at mobilizing ankles may not even understand why you would want to put a bar on somebody's back. That's also not acceptable. But if you bring them together because they both want the same things and they both might happen to be uh, financially vested in the process, it, it can be uh, a lot of good, good things can come out of this, uh, this idea of lateralizations and regressions. That is really awesome. Um, Cause you know, I think a lot of times, even in our, in our quest for all the education that we can get, you know, it's uh, the movement screen is first and, and then the program can often wind up very limited, but I like the idea of starting with your perfect program, which we do a lot of group training where we're at and we try to uh, customize the group training as much as possible to where our, our coaches are always armed with like a lot of options, as you described, you know, somebody's having pain. So then they switch to an RDL. However, uh, something that you really just opened up my mind to personally is as a coach, it's my job to provide motivation and accountability. What accountability am I giving to the person that I consistently have to give a different option to, such as an RDL instead of that squat to get with the physical therapist so that we can eventually train that squat that we wanted to train to begin with. Right. You know, so, uh, yeah, that is a, that's a beautiful example of how the partnership should work to get. Yeah, there's a, there's a built-in message as well that when you do work with, um, uh, a complementary provider, um, you know, we would prefer that the, the physiotherapist or the chiropractor has a sense of fitness, but the, the, every, everybody should be on the same page in terms of their beliefs and their values. So it's not, Oh yeah, just, uh, you know, We'd, we'd like you to go see a physical therapist and come back, you know, uh, because now that if, if you just let, the, if you create a culture where they just go to wherever's convenient or whatever's in network or whatever, all of a sudden you lost a client because you, they, they went to some idiot physical therapist who thinks squats are bad for your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is an enormous component to this as to why it's important to at least be talking about these types of collaborative measures. Anytime you put a system to it, it's got some teeth to it, at least some, maybe little baby molars, but they're not because, oh, like every time I send somebody to the doctor, they tell them, you know, they should. Well, you why why are you sending them to that doctor? What do you mean? Why do you not make them go to like they come to you for expertise? They're going to do the exercises, you say. Why all of a sudden do they get to pick whatever they want to do? To this, to this other process that is totally tied to what you're doing. I mean, it's very easy to talk about business. If you guys are business owners, well, then it makes it has a little bit more resonance. A lot of people obviously aren't business owners. They're just rank and file, you know, whatever they make an hour at Equinox. So now they get in trouble if, if they, you know, if this happens. Then, and then, the, yeah, don't refer anybody out because now look, now you're out all this money and we're out all this money regardless of what's best for the, the client, that, that has nothing to do with it. So the message has to be very powerful for everybody. Yeah, yeah. no, that's really good. <laughs> we, I was going to say we, we in the past years ago, we've had, had clients come in and they're like, so yeah, I, um, I saw my physical therapist and they said, I can never squat again. I'm like, yeah. never, I'm like, never. Yeah. Like, how do you go to the bathroom? How do you, how do you sit on the couch? Like, what do you mean you never can squat again? You squat all the and time. <laughs> it becomes this incredibly challenging conversation because you, you now basically have to tell them they were wrong. That sucks. Right. You have to tell them 
that they, whatever they invested in that process, time and money and, and energy was misplaced. That yeah. sucks. Good, good luck getting over those two hurdles. Oh, and by the way, you need to invest this much time and, and money and energy into this third process. So yeah. it's like DOA, you know, that's why, um, you know, and, and some of the strategies uh, to, uh, to, to utilize is you pay for it. So uh, again, I don't care if you're 22 years old working at Equinox or a very successful business owner, how do you get someone to do what you want them to do? Well, one way is that you pay for it. Uh, you're allowed to do that. Like that's not against the law. Like you're going to be like, no, you're going to go, oh, I'm not going there. They cost way too much. They don't take my insurance. I'm paying for it. Like, oh, and maybe, and then, oh, and by the way, uh, your appointment is at three o'clock, you know, hour three o'clock. Um, we're going to, we're going together. I'm going with you. Wow. Um, and, 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 and then you can tell in my voice, um, it, it gets a little snippy because, you know, whether it's a perform better event or all the people love talking about culture and they, you know, just your thing, overcoming adversity or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but you won't go with your client to the, to the office. You won't pay for them. Only when things get really, really hard that, you know, when, it, when it's actually doable, we can talk about rah-rah, but when it becomes really, really challenging, or you actually have to invest in a way that you didn't know you were supposed to invest, yeah, we don't, we don't really talk about, um, you know, the, the, the commitments and, and all that nonsense. Um, you know, I, love, it's, it's, I love it. You're speaking our language um, because, well, for us, we've had people that wanted to get stronger for their upcoming knee surgery, but we've always wanted to go to their last of their physical therapy appointments so that we could see what the physical therapist wants them to continue to do. Cause you know, many people don't do their homework. So we want to help them to do it while they're here in the gym, but we won't know unless we go to the appointment, what exactly it should look like, you know? So uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree that we gotta, we gotta really not, you know, we gotta have it be more than words. We gotta have actions right behind what we say. Yeah, definitely. Really cool. Um, so uh, there was a presentation that you did. It was during the pandemic. And, you know, you were just talking about your changing viewpoints. Like you're like, I, I took some coaches and I made them really bad physical therapists. So now we wanted to kind of redirect what we were saying. Um, uh, what was it called? It was uh, over 10 years of on tour and, you know, the way that you had changed your thoughts on some things, you know. Um, yeah. Are, are there other areas where you've, you know, kind of rethought and, you know, wanted to kind of redirect, uh, you know, what you're presenting to the industry? Um, I think the, the, I mean, I'm sure there's clinical things and I wonder how important those 10 things were. Cause I can't really remember them. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think that the, the two things that come to mind is what you're saying, and that would be clinical. And, and I, and, and it's a little bit aggrandizing because it, 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 uh, it, it, it uh, assumes or intimates that I have all this power that, that, you know, but at the end of the day, um, I think that happened. I think there was, you know, I, I, I have um, um, one of my mentors, his name is, is Pavel Satsuli. And uh, one day we're having coffee in, um, uh, uh, in Santa Monica. And he's like, I got to make sure I do his voice right. He's like, well, Charlie, you, you, ain't, you ain't great cook. You may, and look, you are very clear. You are, uh, your, your, uh, your journey through strength is, is unparalleled because I, I, you know, I, I was a, I didn't suck at powerlifting, you know, back, back, back in the day. He's like, but, but you guys, you guys made physical therapy cool. Uh, but, but of course you did not forget about strength. Many, many of these physical therapists and the things that you're talking about, uh, they don't always uh, track back to strength. And it's, it's true. It's really true. Um, and, um, you know, to, to, to see 
you know, trainers literally suck. Uh, and then to see um, commercial models just explode. Like I, right now, I, I would say for the last five or six years, the most popular continuing education for a fitness trainer is rehab. Like it, it's, and that, and that, that says, you know, something that I said from the very beginning that most physical therapists and chiropractors and surgeons, et cetera, they all suck. And that's why other people from their altruism, uh, but also a gap in the market, they, they try to fill it in. Um, because like if my shoulder hurts and I can't pick my phone up, you know, my, my thought is that I'm too weak to lift up my phone. So I need to grab a dumbbell and start, but that, that's, that's what most people think. Like if my knee hurts, I got to get into a knee extension, uh, because I can't commit force, but it's not because my muscles won't do it it's because something is generating this threatening response. Um, so a lot of the messages that I've had since then ha have been somewhat in, a, in an attempt to, um, marginalize what I originally think I said, uh, even though I know, uh, I never showed anybody how to do manual therapy. I never showed anybody how to diagnose and I never showed anybody what to do in the presence of pain. Um, and, um, um, in Canada, I did a, a seminar that did, did do some of those things. Um, and I made a mistake because the, the descriptions of different professionals in Canada is different than America. And I'm like, dude, you're not a, you're not a healthcare professional. You're, you're a trainer, but you call yourself something different. I was really upset. Um, so I'll just never, you know, never do it again. Um, but the, the other, the other thing is more about me where early on in my career, um, I probably presented more like a professional wrestler where you're trying to create this emotion. And I thought that I had the, this responsibility to um, correct uh, all of these wrongs that I thought I did or that I thought others were doing. And I no longer feel that responsibility. Um, I, I don't, you know, it's like, all right, man, whatever, do what you do. Um, and and um, my, my communication, um, you know, whether it's like in a thing like this or up on stage, um, I know is different because I've worked at it and, and, uh, and, and it's much, it's much, um, it's much more, here's what I, here's the thing I used to say, I always show you, I'll, uh, I'll explain to you why I do what I do. I'll explain to you what I don't do, what I don't do. And I'll explain to you why your hero is full of shit. Um, I no longer say the third part. I only say, I'll do, here's, here's why I do what I do. And here's why I don't do what I don't do. I, I, you'll have to ask so-and-so why they do that. Obviously I disagree because I think what I do is the best. And now that, that now, now you're going to listen because now you're ready to go because I, oh, who are you to say you're the best? Why, why would anybody do what they do if you don't think it's the best? What, so you're telling me you're consciously doing something that you think is second best. Like mm -hmm. why, if, if I didn't think what I was doing was the best, why would I be doing it? Mm -hmm. uh, like, it doesn't make, it, it's, it's not, everybody should be saying this. Now I don't think we need to be, waving a flag to say that I am the best, but otherwise, like, why would you be making a decision for someone else in any level uh, if you didn't think it was the best decision? Now, you don't, again, you don't have to exclaim this, but, um, you know, I, I, so I still believe that. I believe everything I do is better than anybody else. That's why you don't have to ask me about anybody else, because what I do is better. If, if it wasn't, I would be doing what they did, and then right. I would say the same thing. So, um, <laughs> right, my, right. Very true. My community, my a zebra doesn't change his stripes, so I still believe everything that I believe, but I know I communicate uh, in a much different way, which does not, because um, I made those mistakes and it was wrong. I was wrong, 
Um, I, I find great, I take great umbrage in anybody who uses someone else's content for their own content or their own message. Meaning uh, I heard you guys talk about something and I'm going to do a podcast about your topic. That's, mm -hmm. that's disgraceful. But a lot of people do that. And uh, because that's who they want to be in the universe. They just want, they, and they somehow justify it by some type of means, which I think is ludicrous. I mean, I've had people do um, podcasts about, about me for three, over three hours. And it's, it's, you know, listen, I can come off any kind of way, but I'm still a person that is very hurtful. Um, you know, like these people are bashing me for three hours. Well, if they're going to bash you, that means you made it. All, all these different cliches. The point is, is that they would not have had three hours of content without what I was saying. Mm -hmm. Dude, like I, I'll decide who, who, we, who we bring up the card. You know, I'll, I decide who comes to the main event, um, you know, which is, again, another professional wrestling reference. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, that, that's another big change. Uh, and I don't remember if that was one of the 10, um, maybe it's more appropriate for our conversation than, than that, uh, presentation. Well, actually it was. Uh, you actually had that, you had your, you know, the way that you presented was one of them. I remember that as soon as you said it, it was just talking about, you know, kind of changing the way that, uh, you had, uh, presented things initially as well. Um, let me ask you, I feel like I'd be remiss if I, and this is my uh, final question. You've been very generous with your time. I appreciate that. You talked a lot about the perfect program and you talked about starting with a perfect program. So I'm going to ask you one that's actually kind of based on the, the type of client that we get, because I know you work with a lot of athletes and I know you work with a lot of people maybe having special performance needs. Whereas we work with people 40 and over. Well, we, we have younger folks in here too, but I will say that our, our main demographic yeah. is 40 and over seeking general functional fitness. Do you have any strong feelings about the perfect program for that type of person? Um, the, 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 the categorization of different programs, because it, it, it's nothing perfect because at the end of the day for that population, anything should work provided you're choosing uh, exercises uh, that that is compatible with what their joints are capable of doing, meaning if they can't if 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 they can't lift their arms overhead, none no no good or close to perfect program is going to have an overhead press. Mm -hmm. So so if that but because they they have typically a low training age, and there's probably low precision for for measuring out the stress to adaptation, meaning okay we have to be ready every Sunday. We have to be ready for world championships. And then in two years, we have to be ready for Olympics. Like none of, none of these thoughts should be in your head, you know, for training the general population. Um, if they have a medium down training age, which is again, probable, um, that the, 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 the exercises don't need to be very complicated. Um, uh, and, and we can probably go to uh, a program that does a little bit of everything. Um, which, which would probably be very poor program for a high level athlete. Uh, because if you work on strength and power uh, and fitness at the same time, within the same period of time, they cannibalize each other. Um, this is called the interference effect. Some people say it doesn't matter, but they don't deny that it exists. So I'm saying it doesn't matter probably because they're working with people like what you're talking about because they have such a gap in how they can improve in both. It doesn't mean you don't get better in both. You're just never going to be elite at one versus the other, which is probably preserved for 
a more discerning training uh, environment. And that doesn't mean it's better. It just means more discerning, where mm -hmm. if we don't thread the needle, our goal may not be reached. Mm -hmm. But if you don't thread the needle, like your needle's like this. It doesn't, like, because most of those people are going to get better with a lot of different methods and not a significant amount of precision uh, in, your, in your programming. So mm -hmm. the perfect program to somebody else might look basic or rudimentary, but that's probably the best way so that they continually have success. They continue come back because again, your program also probably should be judged. The perfect program should be judged by one that continues to keep the lights on. Mm -hmm. So we have to continue to, 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 to yield uh, however the client uh, or customer uh, perceives success. Um, at the end of the day, you just do a little bit of everything, you know, uh, um, you know, put, you know, squat, hinge, push, pull, twist, locomote. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you can check those six boxes um, across however many times a week they're going to train that makes sense, warm up, cool down and do those six things and, and something very, very good will happen if they're consistent. So um, now that what I described is not a perfect program, but it's a somewhat of a perfect environment because I'm, I'm leaving out the whimsical nature of the general population. They're like, how come I can't do this? How come Travis gets to do this, but Cindy's doing that? Or I went on the internet and I saw this. So now, you know, I don't have, I don't typically have to deal with, well, I do have to deal with those things for, for rehab um, because those are the types of things that somehow get people to the point that they're desperate and, and need to, to, to get, to need this rehab and recovery. Um, but, you know, how, how that, how that, how you take those ideas and put them into Excel sheet uh, for the general population, I, I don't think really matters. I think if you use lateralizations and regressions with whatever, you know, because maybe the best exercises are the ones that allow you to have great flow uh, in your particular space and the equipment that you have. So then you can be redundant with your equipment. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that I think of, um, which maybe doesn't have an application for other environments. But if you, if somehow you had a very engaged general population and you train them like an Olympic hundred meter sprinter, it will work. Like now, are they going to do it? Like, yeah, let's say yes. Well then that's no, no more perfect. That's probably a better program, you know, to create change really, really quickly, but maybe not the one that's, you know, you, 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 ha you have to have a lot of control um, yeah. and a lot of, and, and, and training for less than one hour at a time is not really going to be the ticket. Like that's, you know, I don't, I don't know who made this up, but you know, in, in most not non-North American environments, you train as long as you need to train. You don't just train for an hour. Um, you know, so that's uh, more of a social type of uh, concept. Yeah, right. A busy world, adjusting to people's needs to have their next appointment and their next uh, thing going on. But uh, still, that was very good because in a general health, you know, where interference and, you know, sports specificity is not as much of a concern, you know, that what we're suggesting here is that, you know, if you have a program that does a little bit of everything and includes the movement patterns that you mentioned, uh, those are some of the best things that you can do for the general pop. And while well, taking into yeah. consideration that when you get to that squat and there is pain and you have to mm -hmm. lateralize and choose the RDL, uh, make sure that you're referring out to a physical therapist or somebody that, uh, you know, agrees with your philosophies and is going to help that. Person. Or at least, wow. or at least pick an exercise that doesn't continue to make their knee hurt. That's <laughs> first and foremost. That's right, first right. and foremost. Cause here's the thing. A lot of knees will feel better 
if you figuratively take them from a squat that hurts their knee to an RDL that doesn't hurt their knee, and that's all you do, a lot of knees will actually get better. Uh, yeah, they, they, without any medical intervention. Now, I don't know how many, and I'm not saying that the one that you try it with will be the one that it works, but honestly, that can happen. And there's scientific reasons as to why that happens. It's not just from rest, but, um, but uh, yeah, that, that's um, the, how, how you shape out the program, um, you know, maybe isn't as crucial as people think. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. Uh, I encourage everybody to make sure that uh, uh, what is the best way to follow you, you know, whether it be on the Internet website, uh, you know, what 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 way can you give people to get more? So the website is is uh, very creatively named charlieweingroff.com. Uh, and uh, Instagram is charlieweingroff. Twitter is cwagon75. I'm pretty sure between those three media. Uh, and then we also have a, a new program uh, called Sage Spot, um, which is a, a membership site that has you know, more exclusive types of individualized type of uh, content. Um, and there's a lot of other you know, people that may be of interest to, to see. Uh, on, on a lot of different topics, including professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw something too. I think I was on your website where uh, somebody can actually, you, you do virtual assessments nowadays or a virtual consultation or. There, 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 yeah. There, there's online consultation um, uh, through there or uh, soon to be uh, also on, on Sage spot. So um, it's probably, I think the, the third uh, drop down on the, on the website. Uh, and um, yeah, it, it's, it's advice or, or fitness. Um, we must be very, very clear that it's not telehealth or online physical therapy um, unless you're in the states of New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, or Florida. Which are not Northeast states, right? The first couple are. <laughs> and, and, and where I, where I live in Florida is basically the sixth borough of New York city. So yeah. Yeah. Right. I know. Yeah. I know. Good for but you. Though. If you, yeah. if you drive a little bit, then, then, then you're in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Hey, go see Charlie Weingroff at Chicago perform better or in Providence, Rhode Island, or on all the different sites that he just mentioned or any of his other speaking tours. Charlie, thank you so much for being yes, on the thank show. You. All right. Well done guys. Thank you very much for having me. Thank okay. You. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com.